This is Daily Devotions Best Of with Pastor Tim Dodson from JF Believers Church. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting jfbelievers.com. Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. Verse 10 says, And he sat in the house. Many tax collectors and sinners, they came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. Tax collectors were especially despised individuals within, within the Jewish community. They were considered traitors amongst their fellow man because, well, they essentially worked for the Roman occupation. They worked for the enemy. And further, they were notoriously dishonest. Any amount above and beyond the taxes collected for the Roman government was the tax collector's pay, or at least their bonus. So there was, of course, a great incentive to be dishonest. Now, Matthew here, apparently wasting no time, declared his new allegiance, and he burned some bridges in the process by simply having Jesus over for dinner. Matthew It says, apparently, I invited all of his friends. Why, he even invited sinners. Oh, can you imagine that? Sinners eating with Jesus? Oh, how blessed we are that Jesus came for sinners. Like with Matthew, he seems to even now go out of his way to track us down. No matter what kind of life we've lived previously, his hand is outstretched still. For a moment... Ah, for a moment, we have the chance to simply walk away from it all and begin a new life. If we will only just stand up and walk away. Verse 11 says, when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Ah, now, as soon as the party gets started, along come the legalists. It never fails, does it? It is, I think, a mystery, if not a bit of humor, how those who live under some form of self-imposed legalism repeatedly seem to find themselves at gatherings of those who embrace grace. And I think no real coincidence, really, because deep down those folks really want to live out God's grace and freedom, but they just can't seem to bring themselves to do it. They inevitably have a deep-seated need to add to the cross of Christ. They just can't let Jesus do it all. So the legalists, they step up and go at it. Why does your teacher eat with sinners? And little do they understand that if Jesus didn't eat with sinners, then he would have always had to eat alone. Verse 12 When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are healthy have no need for a position, but those who are sick do. So reaffirming his commitment to who it was that uh, came, that he was there to save. Jesus, the great physician, clarifying his position. Certainly such a comment would have cut deep into the heart of the Pharisees, just as it would in the heart of the legalist. Both hold on to a delusion of self-righteousness. They're always 
is and always was those within religious circles that will white-knuckled cling to the moral and upright aspects of faith, but will at the same time fail to recognize that they themselves are actually sinners. They are lost and they are without merit. Romans 3.12 tells us, They have all turned away. They have together become unprofitable. There is no one who does good, no, not so much as one. Verse 13 says, But you go and learn what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The religious world in the day of Christ, and maybe even yet today, was a lot like the secular world has become in our day. Both of these worlds were ones where we quote the experts. We, you know, lean to political polls to establish truth, and basically, no one takes any responsibility for anything that we say ourselves. Jesus, however, he was different. He puts himself out there, repeatedly on the line. And he begins here in a sentence in a way so rarely heard from religious types in those days. He says, for I. Hmm. It seems Jesus takes responsibility for what he says. Well, that certainly had never been done before. Suddenly, Jesus stands head and shoulders above the crowd. Our abridged translation, if you will, therefore would run something like this. Quote, Well, apparently I didn't come for you perfect folks then, because in reality I came for these over here, you know, the sinners. Sacrifice had and has its place, no doubt. But what Jesus wanted and wants most of all was their compassion. Then John's disciples came to him and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast? Well, now we have a question. Ritual and religious habit were now being brought into question by those who were actually, perhaps honestly, seeking an answer. It's certainly not that fasting in itself is a bad thing. In fact, such a time of overt sanctification, a setting ourselves apart for the specific use of God, well, that can only be a good thing. No doubt, however, these folks had left the true intended purpose of fasting and had slipped into a legalized religious ritual. They were wondering why Jesus and his disciples didn't play the game. In verse 15, it says, Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Here we have a strong allusion to his inevitable departure. Yet Jesus showed compassion towards his own. While he was with them, there would be happiness and rejoicing. However, there would come a time that he would be conspicuously absent and their hearts would break because of it. Please note that while Jesus may not be available for dinner at your place, he is, however, available to come to your house and stay forever. The gift of the Holy Spirit, God in a form available to possess, is not only living, but a bridegroom 
if we're willing to step into the role of friend and better if we're willing to be the bride. Verse 16 says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch would tear away from the garment, and a worse hold is made. Neither do people put new wine into old wineskins, or else the skins would burst, the wine would be spilled, and the skins ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. Jesus here attempts to explain further the depths of what was on the table that day. What he was bringing to their world, to the world, was not merely a repair or a patch. No, what he had in store was so much more than that. What he had in mind was a complete overhaul, an absolute transformation of the whole religious system. This is just what he's doing today, corporately and individually. He is taking each one of us and doing a complete overhaul. Our desires, our motives, our habits, everything changes when Jesus comes into a life. It is a radical and it is an all-encompassing endeavor. Jesus was and is a radical savior. He was not like the religious leaders of the time, moving the same spiritual chess pieces around the board again and again in different and subtle arrangements. What he was proposing was to start all over, a new foundation and one built upon a rock with a new design and out of new materials. The same radical changes are what he proposes for you and me today, new wine. There is not to be this worldly psycho babble that amounts to a new coat of paint and a personal mantra. No, Jesus is about real change, total and absolute. Indeed, much of the religious world is a lot like that radiator stop leak stuff. You know what it is. It sounds so good though, don't it? So easy, so cheap, just pour it in. But that is only a spiritual band-aid that hides the reality of the fact that you have a bad radiator. One day, you'll know it in its full manifestation and frankly, probably sooner than later. No, no more religion status quo. Things are gonna be different now. Jesus was going and is going to see to it personally. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Pastor Tim and JF Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.